together. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we look to thee now in this morning hour, knowing that thou hast the words of eternal life, that every good and every perfect gift comes down from above, and without the blessing of thy Holy Spirit here this morning and his presence, we are only listening to the words of men. And that is time wasted. But time spent at thy feet, listening to thy spirit speak, has eternal value and eternal weight. So be with us now as we would look into thy word. Bless those that are proclaiming thy word throughout the world. Bless those that are even suffering and dying for the sake of that same word. Be with them and grant them a victor's crown. And let their testimony continue, even until the end of the world. Be with us now as we divide thy word together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The word of the Lord has opened this morning to Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 10. 1 Corinthians, chapter 10. I'd like to begin with the first verse. <clears throat> Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant, how that all our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the, in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ." But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for ensamples. And they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape 
that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is, not, is, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Behold Israel after the flesh, are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles, that eat, asking no question, for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast, and ye be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you eat, asking no question for conscience' sake. But if any man say unto you, This is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience' sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that for which I give thanks? Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles nor to the church of God even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. I've read the entire chapter. The Lord is worthy that we kneel before him to pray. Dear Father in heaven, as we come before thee now, to be exposed to thy word, to let it cut, to shine light on us, dear Father. We acknowledge, first of all, that thou art the God that sees everything and that knows everything. The one that has formed us, the one that knew us before we were brought forth out of our mother's womb, the one who knows our end, has appointed the, the days of our lives, dear Father, and the one whom we will one day stand before when time is no more. Dear Father, we acknowledge all these things now as we read thy loving word. It is right for us to do this, dear Father, to come with a worshipful attitude before thee, an attitude that thou art worthy of everything, 
There is nothing that we ought to withhold from thee. There is no corner of our heart that we should hide from thee or not allow to be exposed to this word. No aspect of our lives, no, no interaction that should not be exposed and brought under the, the light of thy word and its power, dear Father. We pray these things looking to thee for the, the blessing, the true spiritual blessing. Dear Father, we don't seek uh, an earthly blessing from this gathering. We don't seek um, some sort of emotional um, uplift from this gathering of believers. We don't seek a, um, something temporary that will fade as the days pass this week. But, dear Father, we seek the, the eternal and the spiritual, the true. Help us, dear Father, fulfill that request this morning hour. We know that thou art here, that thou art willing to bless, thou art willing to refine thy church those that claim the name of Jesus Christ. Dear Father, so we pray that this morning hour, as thy word goes forth in its power, in its simplicity, in its conviction, we know the one requirement of us is to humble ourselves under it. Help us to do that. Dear Father, we pray for the brother that is to divide this word, that is to meditate upon it as we would reflect on the words that he speaks, dear Father. We want to do that in a, a prayerful attitude, uplifting him in prayer too that thou would grant him the words to speak, that through the power and the leading of thy spirit, he would be able to lead us in the right way to understand the scripture, to understand thy will for our lives, to understand each other in the light of thy word. Dear Father, help us to do that. Dear Father, we pray for those that are not able to partake of this special blessing this day, not able to be gathered around the word we pray for the, those that are sick and those that are hindered from coming, those that are hindered by old age or other infirmities. We pray for thy strengthening. We pray for thy healing upon them. Pray for those that, that choose to stay away, dear Father. Pray that thou wouldst convict them and draw them with thy cords of love. We pray for those that maybe many years ago grew up in the hearing of this word and now uh, for many years have, have led a, part, a path that is away from thee. Dear Father, speak to them. We know that that word is uh, the seed that, that is planted, if it bear fruit, it's an eternal seed. It's incorruptible, and it can lie for many years dormant in a life that is sinful, dear Father, and, and far from thee, but through the constant power and conviction of thy spirit. Great change can be wrought. Miracles can happen. We pray for those, dear Father, that are hindered by government, that are... Um, persecuted that or may be in prison for thy word and cannot meet with other believers encourage them dear father help them to know that they are in communion with thee the eternal one and, and when thou art on their side there is nothing that can stop or destroy or, or hinder or discourage them dear father we thank thee for thy faithfulness in the past we thank thee for the the assurance of thy promises that will not fail the things that thou hast said and will surely come to pass regardless of man and his machinations. Dear Father, we ask that thou wouldst give us faith to trust in thy promise. Give us courage, dear Father, to, to persevere as we walk this, this life below, looking unto the promises that we have, the great and precious, exceeding precious promises, to not be hindered, dear Father, or distracted by glitz or glamour or lies of the devil. Dear Father, we thank thee for all these things that we have received at thy hand. We realize that 
We have a responsibility. We've been given talents, dear Father. One day thou wilt come back and require of us what thou hast given us. Help us now to be diligent and faithful servants. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I was humbled by the brother's prayer this morning as he prayed that the Spirit would give me the ability to bring forth from this word the truths contained in it. It's a two-edged sword to open the word of God and just simply read from it because, of course, you don't know if the passage will be a familiar one or suited to your particular way of thinking. And this chapter we have before us, much more capable expositors than I would be able to unpack these truths for us and to link them together with subsequent and previous chapters and to show us the, the grand sweep of Paul's logic as he explains through the power of the Spirit these patterns. I don't intend to do that this morning. Perhaps that's a deficit on my part, and I don't feel equal to the task of that. But perhaps as we would <clears throat> go through this chapter together, and as we would dwell on some of the things that the Apostle Paul recorded, that there will be some, some fragrant flowers there that we can smell and, and gain a, a, a benefit from. The first thing that I notice that Apostle Paul opens with here is that he, he makes a very sweeping statement. He just simply says, all of our fathers. All of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. He's talking, of course, about the Jewish fathers, those that had left Egypt, that had gone through the Red Sea through God's marvelous deliverance there and went on into the wilderness. But for those of us who know the story well, we know that those that went out into the wilderness to, uh, with Moses, only a few went on to the promised land. And so the warning for us is a stark one and flies directly, I think, in the face of those who would teach that salvation can never be lost no matter what we do. We can see very clearly from the record of Scripture the grand pattern of the entire Old Testament was one of choice. Right from the very beginning in the garden till the very end where it ends with a, a curse. The choice is upon us. We are responsible. That fact alone should give us pause because of course we know that with choices <clears throat> there are both ramifications, effects of that choice, and there's also information that we need to make a good choice, and we need to weigh it all, and some choices perhaps are small and inconsequential, but other choices have tremendous impact as we would dis decide between two things, and sometimes the bigger the choice, the more we need to turn it over in our minds and consider the facts and then sink to our knees and ask the Lord for guidance. 
It says they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat. When you think about that for a moment, they all had the word of God and the word of God in such a way that was marvelous. God speaking to them from the mount, from Mount Sinai, and the mountain was on fire and smoke and shook. This morning, you're only hearing the voice of a man. But they heard spiritual words from God himself. And to know Moses, the one who, who spoke with God, when you think about that, you know that when Moses was in front of, the, in front of Pharaoh in Egypt and he showed them the sign from God that he cast down his staff and the staff became a serpent. And it says that the Egyptian magicians were able to duplicate that feat. They also were able to make serpents. But it says Moses' snake swallowed those serpents. But there was, a, there was a sign and a wonder that no one could duplicate. No one could duplicate. And that was when Moses returned from talking with God in the mountain. And it says simply that his face shone. It was so bright, he had to cover his face when he spoke to people. The wonder of one who has spent time in the presence of God cannot be duplicated, cannot be faked. That is the wonder, brothers and sisters, that we are called to demonstrate to a dying world. That we have been in the presence of the very God of the universe. And we better reflect that. We better reflect that. People better see it. People better notice. The attractiveness of being filled with the Spirit of God will draw others. Like the warmth of a stove, or you know, many of you know that I like camping, and it's interesting to see in the morning when everyone wakes up, what's the place that we all gravitate towards? The fire. Everyone crawls out of their sleeping bags, gets dressed as quickly as possible, and then heads for the fire to warm themselves by the fire. We should be like that too. We should have that same fire in us that gives warmth and light. It says here simply, they did all eat the same spiritual drink for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Stop for a moment and consider that fact. Christianity has been accused of plagiarizing the Jews' religion, simply borrowing from it as the Romans borrowed the gods of the Greeks to make them their own. Not so. We serve the same God. Christ was there. It says it here plainly. Christ was there. Even when Christ was walking this, the, the, the dusty roads of Jerusalem, and, and Galilee. That was simply God acting as himself in human form. Think about that for a moment. It says the children, the children gladly came to that man. The downtrodden, the sinners, those with a problem, those conscious of their need, not the self-satisfied, not the hypocritical, those who knew their need, were not put off by this man. 
how is it that Moses could go up into the mountain and commune for 40 days with God? And yet the children of Israel couldn't stand five minutes in his presence. Do we commune with God? Or do we say to the ministers and to the elder, you go and speak with him and come back and tell us. And we'll do what you say. That's the easy way. That pushes off the responsibility to someone else. No, you are to be with God daily in his presence. That's not something we can avoid. Christ at this time was hidden. He was hidden in a, in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. I think it was the same cloud, that bright cloud that it talks about in other places in Scripture, that Shekinah glory that filled the temple when it was dedicated but now revealed to us, shown to us. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. Having seen all of that, having experienced all of that, still, they turned back. Their sins are listed for us, idolatry, fornication, turning to other gods, looking to other things to satisfy. Remember the words of uh, the, the people when the golden calf was made? Behold, O Israel, the gods that brought thee up out of Egypt. The thing that supplied your need. One of the things that I always find striking, of course, we've got a lot of kids and we're a Costco family. We shop there in bulk for many things. But when you walk into the one section with the TVs, you know, we didn't grow up with a TV. And when we used to go to Sears, my mom would turn to look at the dress rack and turn around and we'd be gone. But she knew where to find us. Just head over to the wall of TVs and there we sat with open mouth and just didn't matter what was playing, just sucking it all in. The, the entertainment was just such a, a draw to us. And now, I mean, those old cathode ray tube sets, they've got nothing on the 65 and 72-inch 4K and 5K displays now. I mean, they look better than real life. And the promise behind every one of those screens is come to me. Come look what I've got for you. Come feel better for a while. Come check out the next serial success on Netflix and binge watch the entire season worth. You can forget about your own life and your own problems. Maybe I'm talking more to the younger people now, but it can be anything, brothers and sisters. Idolatry can be anything. Don't be fooled that it's some kind of a statue somewhere. It's anything that we, we turn to to supply our needs other than God. And so they turned back in their hearts. They saw that pillar of fire. They saw that deliverance. And in their hearts, they turned back. Brothers and sisters, have we become lax? Have we become afraid of the presence of God in our everyday life? And so we no longer seek him because it's simply too uncomfortable. There were very few 
that went through into the promised land, only two, Caleb and Joshua. Even Moses was not allowed to enter, and there's different reasons that some give for that. They're a little bit more maybe philosophical, but the point was he disobeyed and was barred from entering. My own opinion is that he got to see something better. You can ask me about that another time if you're curious, but that's not neither here nor there, and I won't use the pulpit to share my opinions. But the point is, the people in their hearts turn back. Have we done that as a denomination? Have we done that as a church? You see, the people of Israel still maintained their integrity as a nation. They were still all together. They were still keeping some of the outward signs. But in their heart, they turned back. That happened again with Christ when he gave them a difficult saying. And it says from that point, many turned back from following him. This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? They said. Do we really believe that he has the words of eternal life? The longer I walk with Christ and the more that I, the longer I live, I guess, that barrier between this world and the next seems to be becoming increasingly thin. And there are times, there are times when I think, oh, how much better to be with the Lord. How much better? When you see the corruption, when you see the evil of this world, when you see the masses running after all kinds of foolishness and doing harm to each other, there certainly must be something better than this when we see how people treat each other. And the warning to us that are following as the children of Israel follow that, that pillar is to take heed. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. Speaking from my own painful experiences, too, that's also been the case. When I think things are okay, that's when I'm ripe to fall. When I think I'm doing all right, that's when the danger is very near. When I think that maybe prayer is not so pressing right now, or, or I can get by with a little less time spent in God's Word, when I make excuses for myself and the way that I act, watch out. Watch out. There's danger. But there's also the promise that follows quickly right after this. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. And in another place we also read how Christ himself experienced, experienced everything already for us. And so he can relate to promoted. What is the answer to these things? The Apostle Paul also lays it out for us here. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. 
We've been given so much freedom in Christ. There's so much that we've been empowered to do and to share. So much latitude given. The only restriction on that is love. How we would do it. How we would affect one another when we do that. That we would edify, that we would seek to build up the body of Christ. That we would join Christ in the work that he is doing, building his church. Have you ever tried to build something with little children, say out of Legos, and they want to pull parts of it off? Well, you're, no, 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 wait, we're, we're built, no, 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 stop, you put it back, right? I sometimes wonder if maybe that isn't a little bit of what it's like when Christ is trying to build his church and some are plucking off pieces here and there. It's not a perfect illustration, but sometimes I think our own desires and ambitions maybe run across what Christ is trying to accomplish in his church. We need to be so careful what we do. It says even here, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. The world will not teach you that. Grab what you can, grab all you can, and grab while the grabbing's good. That's it. But through the lens of eternity, the whole picture changes. Through the lens of eternity, we can look at the, the, the parable of the unjust steward that realized that he was about to lose his job, that everything that was under his command right now was going to be gone shortly. So it's the position of the Christian. When we think about that, our bank balances and, and real estate deeds, we know that's only for a short time. It's all going to be taken from us. No one will occupy more than six by three feet of real estate. That's it. No matter how many acres you may have owned while you were living. When we know, when we know that this will all be dissolved, we should be so different. We should be so different than the masses that run for more, that seek for more. You know, I think that the hymn writer in the Zion's Harp got it right when he talked about being over on the other side and that one would call to us and say, all hail to thee, my soul was rescued by thee because of what you did while you were here below. Because of how you used the mammon of unrighteousness, that, that money, that almighty dollar that everyone's running after, because of how you used that here, you gained friends over there. That should be the best incentive to mission giving that anyone has ever heard. When you think about that, that I can use you know, money, what is money, right? Money is like a value. Well, what's value? Value is stored up work. That's all it is. I'm paid in exchange for work, and now I have in my hands stored up work that I can trade for other things. That's what money is, when you think about it in the grand scheme of things. So to take my efforts now, that will do me no good on the other side, and to use them now for Christ in the way that he wants me to use them. Wow, for eternal benefit, so that someone on the other side who I've never met can say to me, all hail to thee, my soul is rescued. Amazing. Amazing. 
And we see how the Christian in his everyday life just floats above the things of this world in a sense of not being tarnished and, 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 and dirtied by them. His freedom, his mastery of the things of this world talks about food and drink here, which is so such a topic of conversation in, in today's world and, and the internet. Talks about food offered to idols, and we're not going to go into that. The time is short now. But these things that are, that are placed before the Christian, he can take or he cannot take, and he can do both to the glory of God. I remember going with my aunt and uncle. My uncle enjoys fishing. And we went up north. There was a cottage up there. We stayed for about a week or so. And one of the things we did, we brought along snorkels and masks and fins. And there was a big spot under the waterfall that had a big rock bottom. It was like a bold rock bottom, and it was quite deep. And a lot of fish hang around there. But it was really hard to get them to bite. So what we did is we took a hook and put some bait on it, hooked it on our swimsuit, and went swimming to where the fish were. My uncle was in the boat with the, with the line. When we saw the fish, he just simply unhook it, lower the line and the bait down right in front of his nose, and bang, fish. No problem. Easy fishing. The fish couldn't help himself. It was right in front of him. Couldn't help himself. He took it. But we're different, brothers and sisters. The bait of this world shouldn't hold the same allure for us that it does for others. The things that stir people here, the things that they really look for, that, that Instagram-worthy lifestyle, that dream house, the car, the body, the looks, whatever it is that people run after, we should be able to say that none of these things move me. That's not what I'm interested in. That stuff's going to pass away. It's temporary. I'm a pilgrim. I'm like the children of Israel in the desert, and this place, this, this wasteland, has no attraction for me. I seek that promised land, that better place, the place with vineyards that I didn't plant, with olive groves I didn't plant, with houses that I didn't build. Think about that for a moment. When you know you have that, what are you going to be picking up in the wilderness and taking with you? Nothing. It's emptiness. We should look so different. And I sometimes wonder if the reason that Christianity in the West is on its decline simply because We've become not very different from the rest of the world. We don't look very different at all. Someone once said, Christians don't tell lies, they sing them. Look at the hymnal. Look at the Zion's harp. Look at the gospel hymns. Look at the great hymns of the faith. Read the sentiments in there. Understand them. For young people, I know the Zion's harp is, is kind of archaic language, but Look into the words. Look what's written there. Amazing. I would love, and one day I hope I will, I would love to meet the brothers and sisters that pen those hymns. Some of them I don't even know their names. 
but to have that clarity of vision and sight that could see, that could see that promised land on the other side of the desert, and they wrote about it. You won't find that. I haven't found it in contemporary Christian music. I think a mark of maturity is a love for the hymns. Why? They're like sermons in miniature, condensed down, inspiration from God in a, in a compact package. Wow. I don't want to hear about other people's experiences. Tell me about God. Tell me about Jesus. Tell me about Him. Perhaps we can end with the last few verses here from this chapter. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. How do you do that? You seek for God's glory in everything. You seek for God's glory in everything. When, when you have a task, when you've got something to do in front of you, when, you've, when, you're, when you're sitting down to a meal, you think, how can I do this in a way that would glorify God? When I have less than I think I have, or I should have, when things don't go well for me, can we look at that and say, how can I glorify God in this? God's showing me something here. He's showing me his glory. Maybe I'm not getting so much now, but maybe, just maybe he's got something better for me, like I know he has something better for me beyond this life. Can I be thankful in that, or do I grumble? You know, with my kids, the rule is one of them divides and the other one chooses. And man, sometimes you think they're going to break out the calipers and check. And you have to say, come on, just hurry up and pick already. Because they're so intent on getting exactly their share. That shouldn't characterize us. We should be like Abraham. You pick. You pick. And I'll take what's rest. But my heritage will be the Lord. That you can't take from me. That's sobering. That's something that human intellect won't give you. That's something that possessions won't give you. To have the Lord for a heritage. I love how God said that to Abraham. I am that exceeding great reward. You thought the reward was going to be a son. You thought the reward was going to be children as the sands of the sea. No, no. The real reward is me. And I think that's what Moses saw up on the mount too. That the real end goal was not the promised land. That was only a physical land that was one day going to be taken by other nations. The real reward was none other than Almighty God. May the Lord add whatever was lacking. Amen. I believe it was last summer, I think August sometime, there was some items in the news that um, caught my attention about individuals, I think some within a couple weeks of each other, individuals that had died in, um, in places that I had been in the southwest of the U.S., Arizona and um, I think California. And the common 
incident, uh, the common thread between those incidents was people not taking sufficient water uh, as they went out hiking in hot weather and um, getting caught or getting lost and then in the heat of the day and then lacking water, suffering heat stroke and, and, and dying and, and, um, and tragic circumstances. That reminded me, now as we, as we listened this morning, it reminded me of what we read here about they all drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. These children of Israel were journeying in a desert in a dry place. We today are journeying in a desert too and the only way we will make it through that desert to the promised land is by drinking of Christ. When we stop drinking daily, hourly of Christ, the clock starts ticking. We are get closer and closer to expiring, to suffering, to getting into a situation where we will expire from the heat and the dryness of the desert. We need to drink of that rock that is Christ constantly. When we are in temptation, we need to drink of that rock that is Christ. That is our way of escape, by looking to Christ. When we are interacting and dealing with our brothers and sisters in the communion, the common union that is the body of Christ. We need to drink of that rock that is Christ. Everything that we do, we need to, to give thanks through Christ, through what he has done for us. That is the means to this desert. If you are suffering from thirst, if you identify a, a deficiency, if you realize that things are not going the way they ought to go, you're suffering some real distress, this is the Holy Spirit speaking to you and indicating that you need to drink of that rock that is Christ. To drink and have those waters flow out of your belly. To experience life as it was meant to be experienced by a God that intends you to walk through the desert, but to walk through the desert depending on that fountain, that everlasting fountain, Jesus Christ. This morning hour, the rock has been struck, the water is flowing out. You need to partake of it and drink of it. And you need to continue to do that in order to see that promised land. May the Lord bless the message that was uh, uh, spoken this morning and allow it to bear fruit in our life as we depend on him by drinking from him daily, moment by moment. This service is concluded in his name.